Listener Production. Wearing a fancy pair of bra and undies, wandering up and down the catwalk at a Kelvin Klein fashion parade, the idea for a luxury collection of personalised sleepwear came to today's guest. Ten years on, and it's a global success, selling in some of the world's biggest and best department stores. It's time to slip into something more comfortable on episode 546 of the 12-year-old award-winning small business Big Marketing Podcast. Yeah, I say, welcome to Small Business Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim Reed. And welcome back to your weekly dose of Lacey Marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You are infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you're well and truly ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful, beautiful business of yours into the empire that it absolutely deserves to be. And that's exactly why this podcast exists. So if you love it, hit the subscribe button now on your favourite podcast app and you'll never miss another episode. As per usual team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. And by stuck right in, I mean let's meet Ingrid Bonner, today's guest, who is a former model for the likes of Kelvin Klein and Triumph. And I'm not talking about the car brand either. In fact, Ingrid modelled for Kelvin Klein's first lingerie line in Australia, where her inspiration to create a range of luxury sleepwear and bridal robes called Homebody came to life. Homebody spelt home and then B-O-D. Double I, just in case you were wondering. Now, little did Ingrid know, her business idea, inspired on a catwalk and developed in her living room, would one day take on Kelvin Klein in global sales. It's an incredible story. Homebody now employs 23 staff, has a flagship store in Pacific Fair on the Gold Coast, which is one of Australia's most expensive shopping centres, and the brand gets 1.2 million views on Pinterest every single month. Ingrid also distributes globally through high-end retailers like Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom. So, you know, this is a story of a wonderful little Aussie business that's achieving global success. So let's go and hear how she's done it and what she's getting right. I started off by asking Ingrid what being a lingerie model for Kelvin Klein has taught her about running her own fashion label. Well, to track back a little bit, I was doing that as a side job while I was at university. So I was never really your stock standard model size. I was always, you know, a size 10, a size 12, which in the modelling world was classified as a more curvy model when they're normally a size 6 to 8. So what I learned was there was a real gap in the market for lingerie for girls that had boobs, had hips, had a bigger butt and there wasn't really much out there for that market so that was early days and also it was kind of the era and I'm, I'm turning 40 in a, in a few weeks so it was kind of the time where the waif and the really skinny models was in but now there's been a huge shift um, which is great to celebrating curves celebrating the natural figure so it was kind of the time where there was a bit of a shift happening, but there wasn't much on the market for plus size models, which is where I kind of fit in. 
So you, you were studying marketing at uni. You were 19 when you were doing this kind of work for Calvin Klein, et cetera. Did you actually, did you say to yourself, oh, I think I can see a, a gap in the market that needs filling? Well, the gap in the market wasn't necessarily lingerie for me. So I got married quite young. And when I was getting married, like pre-wedding, I noticed there was nothing to wear prior to the actual ceremony. So while you're getting your hair and your makeup done, I was literally sitting there in a, a pair of shorts and a singlet. And I thought, had the photographer floating around. And this is, you know, coming up to, gosh, over 10 years ago now. And I thought, oh, those photos look a little bit bit daggy. And I thought, wouldn't it be lovely to take the feeling of feeling beautiful right from the moment you woke up right through to the wedding? There was no lace robes. There was there was a beautiful lingerie, but you're not going to sit around in your lingerie with your mum and your bridesmaids <laughs> um, with you. So that was kind of the aha moment. I went, okay, there's a gap in the market here for beautiful lace robes. And because I'd worked with designers in bridal and lingerie showings, I asked one of them, would you mind sharing your suppliers of your lace? Because I really had no manufacturing background, no design background, very green to the industry. And I was working, I was at uni studying journalism and marketing and just had this enthusiasm and thought, gosh, there's a real gap here. So I got the um, manufacturer's details. I actually put an ad on Gumtree for a seamstress. I love it. (laughs) And so I found a seamstress and we developed about five lace robes from beautiful laces that I'd sourced from these factories. So I had a bit of a leg up from my designer mates, which was great. So I developed these robes. I built a little website, wing and a prayer, roped in my model mates, which was handy, did a photo shoot on my property, which was all really, really fun. And I think it comes back to if you love what you're doing, there is a real passion and almost the universe conspires to make it work for you. So we launched Homebody, put the robes online and they started to tick over um, slowly. Before you just go into that, just hold that thought because that rolled off the tongue very easily the way this business went from an idea to market. Uh, Were you looking to start a small business? Were you, or out of your degree in post-marriage, were you hoping to maybe get a job in corporate? What, what, were, what were your plans? Well, at that stage, I just turned 30. I'd worked for other companies, most of the time as a contractor. And I kind of thought it's either now or never. If I take the leap to do something on my own, I was very fortunate because the companies I'd worked for, one of them was a French beauty company who actually had me travel to France, to learn about the product. I attended the Cosmoprof trade shows and nobody teaches you better, you know, the quality of a product, um, customer service, marketing, attention to detail than the French. So I had a lot of grounding there, which really served me later to form Homebody. So looking back, it was all those little steps and those little pieces of experience along the way, which helped me develop my own brand. If I was 21, I wouldn't have had that experience. Mm. So I was so grateful for the journey and the maturity I have, which could take me into the brand. You've got to love what corporate teaches us. I mean, I I have a bit of a laugh now, you know, having spent a lot of time in corporate and now running my own small business. um, There was a lot of downside to being in in a corporate role, but there was also a lot of upside. And one of the upsides is, is what it teaches you. You mentioned there's no one better than the French to teach you customer service. <laughs> they're black and white. Uh, they're black and white. But they know quality and they don't beat around the bush. 
So uh, the products that I work for, they their marketing was top line. The models they used were top line. The manuals, the way you presented to a customer, just being around them in the trade shows in Bologna and Cosmoprof, I learned so much by being a part of it and also watching them. So it's how they dealt with the Australian distributors, the level of expertise they brought to their role. Uh, you soak it all in and you don't realise you're learning so much until you have to put those skills into practice for your own business. So you do the hard hours in corporate, you do the hard hours working for other people, but they really do prepare you for what's ahead. So I don't regret any of those <laughs> weekends, 70-hour weeks. It was all part of the journey. So you've got your seamstress, you've got your model mates, you've got some bridal robes made that you thought, you know, other people might like. You like them, other people might like them. You get a, a cheap and cheerful website and you go to market. I go to market. I did everything from answering the phone, shipping, packing out of my office. And then I was at the local post office and I was flicking through my emails and I got an email from Beholden which is the sister brand to Anthropology Urban Outfitters, which is one of the biggest retailers in the US. And they said, we'd like to stock a few of your robes, in particular, our Farrah robe. Stop it. So that was six months in. So they purchased the Farrah robe. and Na- that, Named after Farrah Fawcett, just out of interest? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I'm showing my age. <laughs> So you get this call from like Urban Outfitters, like an email from Urban Outfitters out of the out blue? Of the blue. Had you chased them? Had you no, kind of... I believe it came from Pinterest from a lot of our brides oh, nice. photos after their wedding. So they tracked us down and um, that robe has gone on to be the most pinned bridal robe on Pinterest ever. And since then... With the glory comes the uh, copies, so it's all over Alibaba in fuchsia pink and blue and red for five dollars. So it's been copied, which happens. But it was a great a great start for the brand and really established us. And we established that bridal robe market in Australia and internationally, which before that there was no segment. Yeah, wow! You've created you've created a category just on the copies. Ingrid, I've spoken to the girls at Spell and the Gypsy Collective. I've spoken to the girls at the Beach People, which are down the road from you. Both have talked about copies. And when I ask them about copies, yeah, they send out the letters of cease and desist, but they realise, you know what, the legal bills add up. Absolutely. Let's just do our best job possible and let them chase us. Is that your view or do you get all legal and wound up? Look, I have gone down the legal path last year only because we actually had another company start up a sleepwear label called Homebody. So that one <laughs> that one kind of got under my skin a little bit. Really? Yes. Yeah, we constantly fight off copies on Instagram. But yes, if you're going down that path, you will be spending a lot of money and time and your energy is focused on fighting when what we do is we need to focus on being innovative, thinking of um, new designs, improving the brand because you're never going to stop it. It's always going to happen. It's so easy now. So you've got to establish yourself as a leader and take that energy and put it into something positive. What in year one was your biggest challenge competing with the competitors or what was, you know, running a business for the first time? What was the thing that kept you up at night the most? Fortunately, we didn't have any competitors in the beginning because the product Um, was unique. 
the so copies came like, later. Here we go. This is awesome. It was really managing the growth infrastructure, moving out of my house into our first small warehouse, affording my first staff member, then my second staff member, investing in the equipment that we needed. So those things, you know, everything's self-funded within the business. So I still, still self-funded. Yes, completely Australian-owned, um, all-female team. I employ a lot of single mums, so by three o'clock, everyone disappears. It's a bit of a ghost town because I know it's important to be able to pick up your children. We value that as a company. I had my sister, my younger sister, who gave up her degree at university to come on this journey, and it's been incredible. We've travelled overseas many times now to grow the brand. and So Hurdles was managing growth, also getting orders in for... 100,000, 200,000, being able to fund them and then wait that wait time before you get paid, which is a big thing for most businesses. How, how did you do that? Well, I got a line of credit from my bank and then I just managed that really closely. So I worked closely with my bank to manage that overdraft facility, pay it off as soon as I could and then just keep going from there. But there were times when I went, oh my God, like... I've literally got $1 in the bank account and next week you can have, you know, X amount. So it's a roller coaster ride having your own business. And, you know, every week you still got to pay your employees, but you may not get paid, but that's just, just part of the business. $1 in the bank account. Every small business owner listening is going, I've been there. In fact, I've had no dollars in the bank account, but you come back. How, how do you keep anxiety at the door, basically? Ooh. Um, I bring my pug to work. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. They're good for that. Yes, absolutely. Animals. We have an open policy for animals so we can bring animals to work. One of my rules I set early was it's important that I pick my children up from school. So I leave at 2.45. I pick them up. I might be on work calls, but I'm there. Uh, My mum was a single mum, so my mum was actually a ballerina that went on to be a dance teacher. So a lot of my time was spent at home in the afternoon, so I really wanted to be there for my children to be at home. But managing anxiety, I think it's really hard to do because there's so many unforeseen things in small business that you can't control managing staff, trying to be a good boss, trying to be a kind person, but a fair person. It's a really fine line between being too nice and being taken advantage of. Do you have someone that you can defer to? Do you have a mentor? Do you read? Do you consume? What do you do? My father-in-law, he, he's a great mentor. He was very successful in business and very supportive. He's a tough cookie, so I can go to him for advice. I also have an amazing manager that works within Homebody. She was previously the CEO of A2 Milk. Um, she had a few health issues and stepped back from the corporate world. And we've been best friends for a long time. And she said, I see what you're doing. I love what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. So she came on board a few years ago and, and, and we bounce off each other really well. So the team we have here at Homebody, we bounce off each other from logistics to dispatch to marketing to the girls in the store. You know, we all work together. If we've got an idea, I will literally bounce it off them. But as far as a mentor, no, I've never had a mentor. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, your father-in-law sounds like someone that you bounce off, even though he's like, he probably gives you advice where you go, oh my God, I couldn't do that ever. But you know. uh, And my mum, my mum had her own business She paid off her own home. She put us both through private school herself. So she set a really great example. 
and I always wanted to be financially independent. So I think rather than her actually mentoring me, I had that role model to look up to. Sometimes I think with mentors, it's not even a formal thing where I have someone I ring every other day and ask a question. It's actually just those people in our lives that informally and by default have influenced the way we think and what we do. And we don't even know we're referring to them in our minds when we make decisions. Absolutely. It's very organic. And I think you you draw from different people around you and you surround yourself with other, like a lot of my girlfriends are business owners. Um, A lot of my friends are small business owners and we all bounce off each other. We have the same highs, the same lows. And I think, you, yeah, your, your community. Women are good at that. Women are much better than blokes at that. It's like you get together, you have your gripes, you have your laughs, you offer support, advice, cuddles, tears and all that. And But, you know, us blokes, which is we're in our caves just work, working it out ourselves. I think, uh, well, I think you're very level-headed. Like my husband, he is to the point, to the fact he's a partner in this business and and if I have concerns, I'll go to him. I yeah, know right. I'll get the black and white. Sometimes the answer I don't want to hear but I'll get that answer. And it's good because he has his own business. So it's from a little bit of an outside perspective. You launched in 20 Homebody in 2011, Ingrid, and I'm guessing at the time it was a pure online play, which is, you know, that 10 years ago, there were e-commerce was certainly about. It wasn't at the level it is today. You've then introduced wholesale because you're in some incredible department stores, which I want to talk about how those partnerships developed shortly. But you also opened up a store, a flagship store in Pacific Fair, nonetheless, which I think, well, it's on the Gold Coast, and I think it's the biggest shopping centre in the Southern Hemisphere, or at least one of them. I think it's the second one to Carindale, but it's definitely the most beautiful. It's the most beautiful. Yes, yeah. How long ago, so many questions around that, how long ago did you open up a store? Why choose some of the most expensive, I'm guessing it's some of the most expensive real estate in Australia? And clearly online is where the action is, particularly in in the kind of stuff that you sell. So what led to that decision? Customers, really listening to what our customers wanted. They wanted that tactile touch, feel experience. Homebody's a lot about gifting. So we have the pyjamas, we do personalisation really well, we do gifting. But people still want that in-store customer experience. And I've got to say, our our store is parallel as far as revenue with online. Retail's not dead. It's just reinventing. We get so much feedback about we're really particular about the customer experience. It has to be very authentic. You know, we just employed a new girl who came from another company and they have a script. When a customer comes in, they say, oh, we really like your shoes. And it's so inauthentic. So with Homebody, we really like to provide our customers with a home away from home. We're very real. We offer them solutions for, I need a birthday present, anniversary present. I'd like something for my wedding. So we kind of, much like the robes in the earlier stages of the business, within our Homebody flagship store, we've created another little niche or segment where people can come and find a gift pretty much for anyone and have a great in-store experience. We have the boyfriend chair. We offer um, (laughs) sparkling water for the boyfriend and it's amazing. The boyfriends come in, they look so uncomfortable. All the girls in the store are pretty gorgeous. And as soon as you acknowledge them, hey, would you like a sparkling water? Here's a seat, chill out. Automatically the guard goes down and then the girlfriend feels comfortable. So it's really bringing back 
that customer service, which is a lost art today. Hey, is my chat with Homebody's Ingrid Bonner getting a little hot under the collar? If it is, then grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect. I wrote it to show you how being helpful in your marketing returns you more customers and makes you more money. And a big thanks to the 6,052 motivated business owners who've already bought it. You can grab a signed copy over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Now, back to Ingrid. Your product offering in the store has gone well beyond bridal robes, hasn't it? Yes, You're it into has. Yes. Is, is it still all wedding bridal based? No, or is well, it weddings, much bigger than that. With COVID, weddings fell off a cliff last year. Yes. So, um, if we were purely wedding based, we probably wouldn't have business. So, we pivoted quite early in COVID to offer hibernation hampers. <laughs> so we were sen- sending them out to lots of people, which was great. And I think that's another part of business. And being a small business, we were able to pivot quite quickly because we didn't have to go through the tiers of management to get the products through. But no, we do a lot of gifting. We import um, unique coffee table books from New York. We have loungewear. We have aprons. We have slippers that we've developed. We have very broad range of products and we're about to um, bring in uh, two more segments within the end of the year. So, What are they? Um, we're bringing in uh, linen, bed linen, and we're also bringing in towels, cosmetic cases, and we'll be personalising all of those as well. So that's really interesting. You, you start off and you achieve your initial success through a very, very narrow niche Correct. in bridal robes, right? And I love that because it's very clear what you do you're either appealing to a certain person or you're not. Your language that you can use in your marketing simple because it's all about bridal robes and brides and weddings and all that kind of stuff. But Homebody over the years is now, it's sort of unniching. That's right. I mean, it's, it's still a niche, but is there a risk? Do you ever think, oh, I'm, I'm losing sight of what we're about and what are we about now? Yeah, yeah, the good question. I think if we'd stuck and been very narrow-minded and stayed within the bridal rows, we would have survived, but we wouldn't have survived to the extent we are today as a brand. I think you have to be flexible and open-minded and listen to your customers. Our customers give us great feedback. Our customers are the ones that said, can you open a store? We'd like you to open a store. Um, they're coming in now going, when are you opening in Sydney? When are you opening in Melbourne? So it's it's being open to feedback and listening to what the customers want. 10 years ago, it was all about satin robes, satin pyjamas. Now people come in, I want organic. I want this fabric. I want that fabric. You can't be rigid in your approach. And and as a brand, we're happy to say from going from 10% sustainable garments this time last year, we're now 70% sustainable garments within the range and we've redone our packaging to be recyclable. So nothing's stagnant. It's always evolving. The brand evolves. Your approach evolves. Your marketing evolves. You are opening up a second store. Mm-hmm. Where's that? Uh, Brisbane. Brisbane. Oh, so you're staying in. So that's interesting. Again, online brand. People from all over the world are buying. You open up a store on the Gold Coast. Your second store is in Brisbane, which is an hour up the road. Yes. Those stores, unless they're destination stores, like the girls that spell on the Gypsy Collective down in Byron have people travel from around the world to go to their store. Have you created that destination type thing? We are a bit of a destination store, which is great. And we recently won Retailer of the Month at Pacific Fair over Christmas against 400 other stores. So we were thrilled. Wow. um, Because they love that for that reason, that people are seeking us out. 
and coming to us. Um, we do bridal sessions, so you can book online a bridal session and you'll have one of our, our style concierge. We'll put on a high tea, um, macaroons, <laughs> whatnot. It's a $50 fee, which is redeemable in product. We have our embroiderer on site. They can get all their items personalized on the spot in the store. So customers are coming in. People want to give their friends and loved ones a product or a gift that has thought behind it. Mm -hmm. So they will seek us out for that reason. And the reason we wanted to open in Brisbane is because coming back to that customer service, we want to manage it and ensure that our customers are getting the best possible experience. And you need to be there. Yeah, you right. need to train your staff and you need to be hands-on that's the big part of it. You can't just hand it off to someone and expect them to have the same experience that they get in our Pacific best or in Perth mm -hmm. if we're not there. Got it. Because the essence of Homebody is the people in Homebody. So we take those steps. We'll do Brisbane within the next few months and then Sydney at the end of the year, but really ensure that that experience is duplicated in the next store because that's the magic. Wow, that's interesting because, I mean, again, I spoke to, and you know what you're doing, so don't listen to me, but, oh, boy, the I'm having a, my, a mental blank right now, but the Swedish lady who had the stationery stores. Kiki K. Kiki K. Yes. She's gone the other way. Obviously, some poor business decisions along the way, but there's no right or wrong answer. Whatever works best for your business. Are you opening up a very posh, in, in the very posh James Street in Brisbane <laughs> or are you uh, going to CBD? You may or... have hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> <laughs> you are, oh, you're so predictable, Ingrid. <laughs> we are, we're chatting with Ingrid Bonner. She is the founder of Homebody and she's very kindly joining us from her warehouse, sitting on a pile of boxes. <laughs> um, I'm told it's air-conditioned. I'm, I'm in a hot studio. You're in an air-conditioned warehouse. So, you know, thank you so much for, you know, remaining with us. I want to talk marketing now, Ingrid. How do you feel about marketing as a whole? Oh, I love marketing. It's great. It's so interesting and it's always evolving. You know, we have a great team. We have a lot of contractors that we um, outsource to, but what we like to do is have that face-to-face -face meetings once a month. So we have, I think it's very hard to put marketing under the one umbrella. So you've got specialists that specialize in Pinterest marketing. Tailwind, you've got Google Ads, you've got Facebook, you've got Instagram, you've got TikTok, you've got um, Google Video <laughs> Ads, um, you've, Clubhouse. you've got your EDM marketing. So there's not one person that can really manage that effectively. You need to find the people that are experts within their fields. And that's something where, where we do. And I think we do quite well. Does that mean you have a virtual marketing team? Because employing a Pinterest expert and then a TikTok expert. My Pinterest expert's in Finland. There you go. Yes. How did you find him or her? I tracked her down through a program called Upwork. She had excellent ratings. Um, I think she had over 100 five-star reviews and I've been with her over three years now and she's amazing. But that's what she specialises in. So it, logistically, it doesn't matter where they're based as long as they're doing the job and you're getting the results. And we check in over Zoom. I always ask for a weekly report from each of our contractors so that we're getting updates and when we don't lose that top of mind. So you've got to be top of mind with, with whom you work with. Fortunately, our Google ads and Facebook marketing, one's in Brisbane, one's in Byron, 
and we request a weekly, uh, sorry, a monthly meeting in our studio and we all put our heads, heads together, what's working, what's not working. And with Facebook changing so much, even over the last three weeks, um, there's been updates, opt-in, opt-out of marketing, which is huge. So basically the whole algorithm's changed. You can't really funnel down your audience. There's so many changes, so many updates happening all the time. You really have to be on top of it. And that's why it's good to have a specialist in each of these areas. We just employed a TikTok marketing advertising executive um, because apparently TikTok's taken over Instagram for results. Geez, we live in a frustrating, this is partly why I do this podcast is because the marketing world changes so much and so often. Fortunately, a lot of the changes that we have seen over the years play into the hands of small business owners like you and I, because everything becomes so much more accessible and actually a lot cheaper than it used to be. You know, having grown up in corporate and, you know, producing corporate videos, for example, for hundreds of thousands of dollars, you can do one for free on your iPhone these days. I just want to um, visualise, so your marketing team, this is music to my ears and everyone listen to this, is that your marketing team is virtual. You have specialists in each area that you want to focus on for your marketing. You don't have an expensive team sitting in the next well, room. Well, they're still expensive. <laughs> well, no, no. Well, are they? Yes. Are they? they I can mean, be. Yeah. do you mind? What are you? What are you paying your Pinterest specialist in Finland? Oh, it's um, well, we come up with agreements as well, so it can be um, pro rata on the results they derive. But I think with our Pinterest lady, I think I'm paying her. Oh, I think. $45 an hour. Oh, well, that's right up there. But you, you really do have a virtual team. And does the team meet together or do you just have one-on-ones with the individuals? Our Google Ads and our Facebook marketing manager and ourselves, our internal marketing um, manager, we all meet together as a team once a month because they work hand in hand. Different companies, but we requested that. And at the beginning, it was quite unorthodox. And they said, oh, I don't know if I want to meet with your other contractor but since then they've actually learnt a lot from each other that is it's just so important that the left hand knows what the right hand's doing otherwise they're off creating campaigns that you know may, may be diametrically opposed to what the other campaigns are about or whatever it may yeah. be so gee that's awesome that's I, it's such mm-hmm. an adm- admirable way of doing it do you do most of it through upwork Uh, No, um, Pinterest through Upwork and then the other contractors we found through referral and that community as well. You hear referrals, you hear whispers of companies, oh, their marketing person's really good and I'm not afraid to reach out and find them. So a lot of them have been through colleagues or introductions within the industry. I know other people in the fashion industry, other brands, and I'll ask them, who are you using? What's working well? And um, sometimes they're happy to share. So... That's how that's come about. Just a quickly on Pinterest, Ingrid, you've got 1.2 million views per month on Pinterest. Pinterest is an ideal platform for fashion because basically, you you know, for those who don't know about Pinterest, you can create boards like a pin board and that pin board's dedicated to robes or pyjama shorts or tea towels or whatever it is that you are doing um, and that's how it works. Clearly, your product is good. Your photography is first class from what I can see on your website and on your Pinterest. But what is it beyond that? Or is is it simply that that's getting you the 1.2 million views? Or is there something else? Well, good question. I think because we uh, have been around those 10 years, we've established ourselves. And those pins that are popular have been around 10 years. So they they gain that organic 
following and, and cut through. Also, we invest highly in our photo shoots, our models, our photographers, and we want to create that feeling, that dream. Prior to COVID, we went to Miami, we went to this beautiful museum called Vizcaya, and people are taken away by our pictures. They wonder, oh, where was that location? What was that theme? So we're really telling a story and it's a bit of escapism with our shoot. So much like art, a beautiful piece of art, we try and create a beautiful campaign. And I think people respond to beautiful pictures. And, and one thing we have found is people respond to photographs with two models in them more so than one. So in our campaigns, we like to shoot two models together. And that was through Pinterest analytics. We got more eyeballs on our photographs that feature two models than one. So it's interesting. Um, people like looking at interesting, beautiful art. I think the same goes with interesting, beautiful pictures. No doubt. And also with brides, it comes back to what they want and they want to create something beautiful for their wedding day. Oh, look at that picture. Look how she's wearing the robe. Look at how it's backlit against the bedroom. How her bridesmaids are all standing around her. She's reading a note. I'd like to recreate that for my wedding as well. So you're creating stories and, and interest and, and a little bit of envy, I guess. Oh, inspiration. Inspiration. I'm sorry. Absolutely. I, I love strategic partnerships, Ingrid. You are in stores around the world like Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, David Jones. Who was the first big department store you got distribution in and how? Well, the first was Anthropology, which was the Beholden. Through that email. Yes. So we were yep. in the um, Beholden section of the Anthropology stores, which is lovely. Um, they are gorgeous stores. The fit out's incredible. Their marketing is premium. The way they style their shoots is, is beautiful. So they were the first one and that was within the first six months of the business. Then came along Revolve. Um, which is a purely online retailer in the US. And they're quite, I'd say, designer fast fashion. So they took on our whole sleepwear range. They've been great to deal with. We do exclusive collaborations with them. Um, what's been really great is each of these stores have reached out to us. We haven't actually actively reached out to any wholesalers. If anything, we don't like to take on too many because our focus moving forward is really strengthening our D2C, so our direct-to-consumer offering. So being able to offer a premium product but not having to factor in the huge wholesale margins, which you have to with wholesale. Is that a really fine line to walk where you want to, you, basically you want most of your sales to happen either off your website or in your store, but then you're managing these big department stores that not only it's revenue, but it's incredible exposure and a credible, an incredible way to attach your brand to a brand like Bloomingdale's or Nordstrom. How do you walk that line without pissing the buyers off? And it's incredibly tight margins as well. So you have to maintain that price point across the board. So you have to be very strategic in your pricing. And sometimes you just can't offer products to them that aren't going to work. There has been times when we can be in a loss because if you're selling to the likes of Nordstrom from Australia, you've got to factor in the shipping from Australia to the US. Um, when Trump came in, they slapped on a, a duties of 33% on every polyester item coming into the US. So overnight, we were slugged with all those fees. It's an incredibly tight market, the wholesale and fashion 
And um, yes, you've got the turnover and the exposure, but you can fall very quickly into negative. No doubt. Ingrid, I think it's a great story for everyone who's wanting a bridal robe or some linen or a pair of sexy PJs, go to Homebody. Now it's H-O-M-E-B-O-D-I-I.com. That's it. And uh, either buy something for yourself or for your, your loved one. Thank I you. I think I'll go and do that now. Thank you, Tim. For my lovely Sarah. I hope she doesn't hear this and I don't do it. I'm, I, I will do it. I will commit to doing it. But, uh, I will look after you. <laughs> thank you. It's a great story and, and thank you. I can see why you're successful because you're very approachable and knowledgeable and very giving. So well done to you. That's very kind of you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me. Well, there you go, team. Homebody's Ingrid Bonner. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with Ingrid. Attention grabber number one. I love the fact that she's created a virtual marketing team by identifying specialists in each of the marketing disciplines she wants to pursue. Like the idea that one person can effectively manage your various social media channels, for example, seems like a bit of a nonsense. Having a Facebook specialist, a Pinterest specialist, etc., is a much smarter way of doing it. And I've got to tell you guys, probably not as expensive as you think. So get on a website like Upwork or dare I say Fiverr and see who you can find and, and test that. Let me know how you go. Attention grabber number two. I love the fact that Ingrid's got a boyfriend chair in her store. Now, whilst it's a fun idea, more importantly, it shows that she and her team are always on the lookout for those one percenters that make the customer experience memorable and shareable. If you've got a little one percenter in your business that's working, it's a little bit quirky, a little bit fun, I'd really love to hear about it. Share it on the show notes over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 546. And attention grabber number three. I love the in-store bridal sessions she's running where brides get served high tea and are basically made to feel very special, as they should. Now, these experiences make such a difference and the fact that Ingrid charges 50 bucks for them as opposed to giving them away for free makes them that little bit more valuable. It's all about making your precious customer feel special, right? That's what grabbed my attention. I'd love to know what grabbed yours. Hit pause and tell me by giving me a buzz over on the Small Business Big Marketing hotline. The number, glad you asked, plus six one, for those of you not in Australia, 480-015-150. Plus six one, 480-015-150. Just like listener, Anna did. <laughs> Hey Timbo, it's Anna here from the What's Right group. A quick call to say thank you so much for the podcast and all of the value that you bring. I've recently rejoined the world of marketing after a five-year hiatus, so it's been great to use the podcast to get up to speed on what's happening in the industry. A lot has changed with regard to digital, but also a lot is the same. One of the companies that I work for within the group is called Connex, and we manufacture and supply PVC conduit bends and fittings to Australian wholesalers for electrical, civil and communications. And we recently used the Four Pillars Gin episode in a um, sales and marketing meeting that we had. We all listened to the episode and then came together and talked about how we could implement those ideas. So thanks very much. The Facebook group has also been really helpful and I've learned a lot about 
influencer marketing and taking recommendations from that too. So keep up the good work and have a great day. Thank you so much, Anna. Great message, and I'm so glad you're enjoying the Facebook group. I, I see you in there a fair bit, and I think it's fantastic the way you're contributing. Uh, we've almost got a thousand members. In fact, by the time this goes live, I reckon we may have a thousand members. It's called the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe. You'll find it on Facebook, and it's where we hold each other accountable, share our ideas, and ask questions. I'd love to see you in it. Next episode, we catch up with a fellow who's an expert at creating not just funny sales videos, but funny sales videos that attract tens of millions of views and make millions and millions of dollars for his clients. And he takes us through his stepped process on how he does it. Be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Give me a buzz on the Small Business Big Marketing hotline on 0480-015-150. If you are loving the Small Business Big Marketing podcast, then you'll find 545 more episodes on the Listener app. And as has been the case for the past 12 years, this podcast has been presented by me, Timbo Reed, under the very tight stewardship of substitute producer Beth Gibson whilst Big Dave has a break. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the absolute best marketing. Bye for now. Listener.